recorded live. Scuba Obsessed is the weekly podcast. We talk about all things scuba diving from cool new gear, places a dive, and scuba in the news. Scuba Obsessed episode 82 is recorded live September 15th, 2011. Welcome to Scoob Obsessed. This is Darren Jilson. Some of the things we have in the news this week that we'll be covering is we have a scuba tank explosion, dominatrix and bizarre scuba death, uh, BCC missing uh, South African diver found, uh, the 20 millionth patty diver, and then we have a few other stories and some cool new gear. And I'd like to welcome back uh, our dive mentor, Mac. How are you doing today, Mac? I'm doing very well, thank you. Glad to be here. Excellent. And then uh, you got quite a bit of diving in since uh, you've been on last. I I bet, what, probably about a dozen dives? Probably. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a good couple of weeks. Yeah, it has been. And then I've even got some posts that I need to put up. I got some photos I'll have to to get up there on the website. Uh, We have a full chat room tonight. I appreciate everybody coming in uh, who's in there. And if you've been listening recorded, we appreciate you too. But you have to try the chat room one of these weeks. It's a great time. And they usually get conversations going way beyond the show. So we'll go ahead and start off uh, with the first news article this week. And this is one I've got two different uh, links to this. Uh, The first one, uh, this is the investigators are checking on a fatal scuba tank explosion. Like we said before, we don't typically cover the, the tragedies in scuba but uh this one was a little different you know we uh part of it is just to to realize how rare this is um what had happened is uh in st petersburg when i jumped to the wrong article of course as always uh they had a tank the investigators are going to a scene of an explosion um let me find the other article i like the other article first here we go and we're also i can't get into mine it's just in a scrolling mode is that what it's doing? Yeah. Yeah, we, we must have. We're just so popular, we're just taking the whole Internet down. Okay, so the first the, the first article, which gives you some kind of background of the story, is we have uh, Russell Van Horn, too, died uh, this last Sunday as results from injuries from a scuba tank explosion. It's not clear what triggered the blast, the uh, medical examiner's office had said. It seems to be a mystery. The cause of the death was ruled an accident. The police say the blast ripped the small aluminum tank in half, blew out the valve, causing severe damage to his side, leg, and arm. One expert in scuba tank industry lamented online speculation that is filling the void of information about how the blast happened. Uh, He says, a lot of the information that is being posted is pure speculation. This is Mark Greeson, president and CEO of the Seattle-based Professional Scuba Inspectors, Professional Cylinder Inspectors, Uh, Grisham says he hopes investigators will pinpoint the triggering event for Sunday's blast because compressed air cylinders do not spontaneously explode. He said oxygen tank fires typically are very hot, but even an explosion involving ordinary air can be devastating. Uh, He said that under pressure, a typical 80 cubic foot aluminum scuba tank contains 1.3 million foot-pounds of potential energy, enough force to lift an 88-ton railroad locomotive one foot off the ground. He says hand grenades are far less powerful. 
Uh, he says he keeps statistics on scuba tank failures, and he said since 1972, he knows of 21 aluminum cylinders and 56 steel tanks that have ruptured. So that's quite a span of time, and uh, that's less than one tank a year. So this is a very rare occurrence when you figure everything, as many tanks that are out there, as many people are diving, as many cycles that's going. We have a very safe industry. The stats on the potential for a uh, exploding tank are tremendous, aren't they? Yes. I mean, that that's a lot of force. I, I knew there was quite a bit in there, but uh, that's a little bit more than what I expected. Yeah, I, I was just trying to uh, determine it. I think, I think the factor must be really critical is the rate of release of that energy. You know what I'm saying? Oh, certainly. Yeah, because we've all done that where you blow an O-ring, and the first time you hear that whistle from a lost O-ring, that will cause you to fill your shorts, but uh, it's typically nothing to be worried about at that case because it's coming out controlled. Now, you wouldn't want your finger nearby where the air is coming out because then you've got other issues. I mean, they do make things called water jets, which use the force of water to, to go. So it's a lot of it's all about pressure and direction and velocity. So, you know, one focus spot and everything released all at once, that's a huge amount of energy. But over a period of time directed uh, the right way, that's not nearly as dangerous. But uh, what I thought was interesting was a follow-up article uh, investigating, and they said that they're going back Tuesday, which would have been a couple days ago, to look for some key piece of evidence in the rubble. Uh, they're saying they're trying to retrace the tank's history and they're arranging for local and federal experts to test it. St. Petersburg police are all exploring this angle. Why was any scuba tank involved in, or was any scuba gear involved in the explosion stolen? We're looking at the possibility that some stolen equipment may have turned up there. Van Horn was accused of stealing a dive reel from his former employer, Scuba West and Hudson, according to court records, in August he was charged with misdemeanor petty theft. Petty theft, according to the county sheriff's office, uh, they said they saw him take a dive reel inside his lunch bag in April, um, similar to the ones that cave divers use. He hadn't paid for the reel. Owner Jeff said he fired Van Horn and received an email from him, from him saying, "I wish I could turn back time and stop myself from taking the reel." The shop reported more equipment missing, seven tanks, four dive lights, a side-mounted buoyancy control device, and a regulator. In July, a client reported seeing Van Horn in the shop's tanks at Eagle's Nest, a cave diving spot in the county. There's no evidence that uh, he took anything but the dive reel, uh, but while they're there, they're going to take a look and see what else they can find. So that does that change anything as far as I, the I, likelihood of it exploding, the fact that it could have not been properly acquired? I don't really think so. I was just looking at the part when investigators reassembled the tank, they discovered that the diving regulator was missing. Well, if I'm carrying my tank, I don't have my regulator on it. So that should not be an issue. And I can't believe that looking at the tank parts would not give them a clue of what it was. Because had it been externally enhanced, you would have had evidence of an implosion into the tank that would then rip out the tank. So... It's it's very awkward. I can't figure out why it exploded or why it destroyed itself, but I can't imagine looking at the tank wouldn't give them a big clue. Yeah, I agree. It it seems kind of odd that uh, they something like you know that, that I mean there should be either the neck you know if the valve had come off there should be damage on the threads 
the neck would be blown open. There'd be something the sides. I mean, we heard what we had, it wasn't a fatal accident, but that Arizona photographer with a lot of experience, he had a tank. And what that was caused by is he had actually dropped the tank or, or knocked it over. And that would leave telltale signs of, of how it was in, how it was. And you can tell if it's been corroded or if you had acid etched or something like that. If it was heat treated and had a structural aspect, you know, because it was in a fire. They should be able to tell that, I would think, from the, the parts and pieces of the tank. So I, I think I'll wait until I do that first. All the background was peripheral, uh, the, the potential thievery or whatever theft. Mm-hmm. Got, to me, that's got nothing to do with the explosion other than it adds a little bit of mystique or intrigue or something the news people like. Yeah, it does make it a little bit more of an interesting story. I was also wondering if maybe uh, these might have been tanks that, you know, a dive shop with any sort of history and time. Like, you, you, we've been down the uh, Wolves, and you've seen the uh, ruptured tanks they've had from fires. Yeah. Uh, what's to say that uh, he didn't steal tanks that were never meant to be put back in service? Maybe there was some tanks that had seen a similar event. Maybe they'd been through a fire and hadn't burst. Or tanks 15, 20 years out of a hydro with corrosion in them. You know, he, he might not have actually stolen tanks that should have been necessarily filled with air. And again, they can't really prove that he stole anything other than a reel. Yep. All speculation. Yep. Uh, allegedly, uh, until he's proven guilty, which I doubt that uh, he'll see a day in court. Uh, yeah. I, okay. And the next article we have up, and we'll go ahead and pull this up and throw that one also into the chat room, is, uh, and this one is barely scuba related, but uh, it's just so bizarre. We have to cover it. I mean, how often do you get to use the word dominatrix CEO and scuba death in the same sentence? But uh, this is where Upper Darby police have yet to close their inquiry into last month's odd death of engineer Peter uh, Schlitzenmuller is partly due to how and where he was found, clad in a scuba suit in the corner of his attic. Um, to kind of paraphrase uh, the article, um, they they found him upstairs. Uh, they it is one of those odd stories which you don't necessarily believe. He was 49. He had a, and I'm and I'm trying to see what they called her. They're like an acquaintance, a close companion, who was known to be a dominatrix. When you visit her Facebook page, talks about uh, asphyxiation and other odd things, and she's also into latex. So uh, the story that ended up coming out is uh, they're saying it was an accidental death at home while testing a scuba equipment he planned to use on a vacation in Mexico. Well, I, I like the part <laughs> I'm going to test my suit up in the attic with two straws in my nose. <laughs> yes. I don't want to laugh at uh, somebody's tragedy, but uh, there are certain things that we, lo- we learn as scuba divers, and you need to breathe to stay alive. So asphyxiation kind of goes counter to that. And then the the wetsuit was all chopped up and carved up. And well, that's because she found the body and she cut it off of him. And that's sort of, you know, I could I can understand that. So, uh, uh, well, how you pronounce her name? M-A-A, May, 29, told police she had just found him and cut the suit off him. She had last had seen him in the morning when leaving to go with a friend from New York. When she returned at 8 p.m., she assumed he was at a concert with his brother and friends. Uh, brother returned from the concert, asked about his brother. According to her, she thought he was with the brother. And uh, she ran up the attic because that was the only place she hadn't looked yet, found him and screamed that he was he was gone. But uh, I, I guess I take exception saying that this is uh, a scuba death. 
this has uh, nothing uh, related to scuba other than he was in a wetsuit. So, But it is interesting. Now, is this a new thing? We talk about diversity in dive shops. Is this something that our dive shops need to go into, uh, latex and other fetishes? Would that, well, would that I, help sales a little? I, I don't know. I know, uh, you know, people have been accused of meaning divers, of course, of having a rubber fetish, you know, because of their <laughs> nearby. Uh, now, latex, I don't know, maybe the latex seals around your neck on some of the newer dry suits. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So there's, that, there's that's a, an interesting appeal to some people. Yeah. So maybe, yeah, maybe we got some uh, cross merchandising opportunities here. In the chat room, they're asking if we have any good picks, and un- unfortunately, the story didn't have any. Uh, I didn't. Uh, they. I didn't get a chance to see her Facebook site. Well, you know, I, I looked at that where it said her website makes mention of erotic oxygen deprivation. Well, I mean, now we're into CCR type stuff, you know, mixed gases maybe. <laughs> it's, yeah. It could just branch out to every place. Yeah, yeah, all all sorts of things. So, okay, the um. Now, this next one, I mean, at least now we're getting to people who are live. Uh, this was a, a scary event that happened in South Africa. A rescue team was mobilized to search for a missing scuba diver until his mother disclosed that he was, in fact, in a police cell. The rescue team uh, said that the friend had reported a diver missing off the Cape Coast. Police helicopter was sent uh, to help in the search, but the diver's mother later told him that the police had detained her son. Uh, he said the man had been arrested for allegedly diving without a permit. Uh, the squad that went out searching for him had a police dive unit, a helicopter fitted with thermal imaging detection. Uh, an emergency call from uh, the 42-year-old diver's friends uh, said uh, he was anxious to get through darkness and had fallen. The diver had not returned from Cape Town's uh, beach, he said. Fortunately, the mother of the missing man informed her son had just called her and was locked up to cell to police station after apparently being arrested by law enforcement agencies for allegedly being found in a protected marine reserve without a permit. All rescue uh, resources were stood down as they were no longer required, and the man's friend received out he was alive and well. Now, a question I would have is, who pays for that? Who's well, I'm, I'm quite sure that guy in jail is going to wind up paying something. Oh, my goodness. You know, and does it, does it make... A, I was going to say, for his rescue unit, I, I wouldn't think he would be liable because he didn't make the call. And he did it, probably used his phone call to call his mom, yeah. and bail and to say, hey, this is where I'm at, I need bail. So he might not have even known they yeah. had an emergency um, call. Yeah, so that, that's something, something to be learned there. I mean, one one thing, have dive with a dive buddy, I guess, but then you, know, you could have both been arrested. Uh, we don't have all the details, of course, so you, know, you don't know if he knew that he was in a protected area, but uh, gosh. You know, luckily it turned out okay, but, you know, there's a whole lot of uh, mobilization that went on. Well, I think it's interesting they arrested him in jail. Uh, you would think that would be like, here's a citation and we'll talk to you later. No, I think that's they what it would that, be. That would be here. Serious. Yeah. Well, here what could happen, it depends on what they thought you had done. You know, like say we were diving a wreck and, you know, pulled something up and had it in the boat and then they came and searched and found it. Here they're going to seize the boat. But I don't think for just being in the wrong spot. Well, let's let's change it up a little bit. What would happen to us if uh, we're within the protected zone of the nuclear plant? Uh, they tell us to get out. Is that pretty much what they do? Yeah. Probably too much paperwork the other way around. Well, generally, if the buoys are not really structured well, you could inadvertently get there. But you'd have to be blatantly sitting there fishing. And if you're not a normal, meaning not a normal, <laughs> what, what is that? <laughs> 
if, if you fished a lot, you'd know already about the area. But if you weren't from the area and didn't have a clue, I, I can't believe they're going to put you in jail. They may talk to you, but I don't know if they'd put you in jail. Yeah. You have to be blatant. And on to this next one. We have Patty, where a few weeks ago they had talked about that they were coming up on their 20th million, 20 millionth Patty diver. And uh, they actually have this uh, last week, the 20th million, the 20, 20, come on here, 20 millionth Professional Association of Diving Instructors Diver Certification was issued to a Guam diver. Alexandria Swanson, 22, found out she received that 20 millionth certification at uh, Micronesia's Divers Association in Pity. She was certified on September 4th. It's the first time I've ever won anything in my entire life, she says. The prizes include uh, coach airfare to Carnes, a four-night in a hotel resort, three days, three nights aboard a uh, dive vessel, the Spirit of Freedom, according to website. Um, she said it's like winning the lottery. lottery. We're going to get worldwide publicity for Guam. Uh, Weber said Swanson was the last person her instructor registered in the computer after she completed and passed her class. Having the 20th millionth diver in the world to get certified on Guam is a big deal. It could have been anywhere in the world. She was not only the last person entered the computer, she was also a last-minute add into the class. Uh, she has lived on Guam for a few months and is a civil engineer. She didn't know she wanted a trip until she arrived yesterday morning. She thought that uh, she wanted a trip to Republic of uh, Palu, but later found out instead it was a trip to Australia. So... I would said, take it if she doesn't want it. You'll take it if she doesn't want it? Absolutely. <laughs> and this one, uh, uh, Dave, she, we do have a picture for this one, and she does look rather excited. Yeah, I, I wonder if she gets on her little certif- cert- certification card if it has 20 million on it or something. Yeah, they should do that. They should give her like a little gold card or something. That'd be that'd be nice. Uh, but uh, yeah, like, like so we said trip- before. Go ahead. I was going to say, so is a trip to Australia. I'll take that. Yeah. Yeah, that, that that's nice. Uh, but like I've said before, it just seems like we, we need more than 20 million divers. And I know that you got the Y had some and there's some others, but we, we need to be beyond that. I, you know, we need we need to have tw- we need another 20 million. It does seem like a small number in retrospect to the number of people who are available for that, even in the states. Yeah, because they're the lead dive organization, I would bet, by number of certifications, at least in the last five to 10 years. Well, I wonder what the NAWI number is, the SASA, the YMCA. I wonder what the collective number are. Yeah. And we'd have to be careful on that because a lot of people are cross-cert to three or four different ones. Yeah, like, so you just can't go by, you know, uh, PADI number. Yeah. Uh, you know, because I've got PADI and NAWI and some other certs as well. So it's easy to kind of build up a collection over time. Yeah, punch but, in your ticket. Yeah, and and, and they're all good. Uh Great to get out there and get some more certification. Uh, this next one is Victoria Filmmaker uh, to follow divers or filmmakers to follow divers 20 kilometer undersea trek. In your uh, verbalizations here, I saw that Victoria. I kept thinking of Victoria's Secret. I thought this was going to be pretty good. Oh, <laughs> a Victoria's Secret filmmaker. Yeah, it does make this, the, the, uh, Articles just stand a little bit more to attention. Marathon well, scuba dive intended to draw attention to the ocean's environmental crisis. Uh, he's finishing shooting undersea footage of a scuba diving marathon in Southern California Pacific waters that once teamed with blue sharks. It's safe to say his film won't be mistaken for shark night 3d. Um, 
let's see, he is uh, uniting this weekend for a fascinating expedition, and his documentary is chronicling it. Uh, A 30-mile dive isn't uh, normal for him. Uh, The veteran deep-sea explorer and U.S. counterterrorism operative will attempt a a nonstop scuba dive at more than six meters deep for 50 kilometers from uh, Catalinas Island, Avalon Harbor to Los Angeles using state our equipment to perform scientific experiments and convey a sobering message. You know, that's really not a big deal for him since he already holds a world record for nonstop dive distance of 84 kilometers. Yeah, that is that is quite a haul. Now, what, what are they doing when, when you get that? Is that kind of like when we do these underwater uh, records where they've got a team of people who are swapping out tanks or, or something? I can't. Or is I he just, it has to be like that. Uh, I thought his stats were outstanding. 13,000 hours as an underwater explorer, combat and commercial diver, U.S. Navy diving supervisor, medical technician. Yeah. Well, if he doubles that, he'll almost be up to your underwater time. (laughs) I wish. (laughs) He's probably getting paid for this kind of stuff. Yeah, Uh, I think he is. Well, I mean, he's between the commercial diver and you would hope the Navy paid him. Uh, he must have gills or something, you know, maybe that implant there, the gills in the neck or yeah. 15,000 hours he should. He says as uh, Cassell, who was researching human endurance in saltwater cooler than 20 degrees Celsius, said the original intention was to die for 24 hours. He since decided to be safer to aim for a maximum of 20. Uh, Hinkle will be one of the larger expedition vessels coordinating the shot as Castle and rescue and support divers head to sea for an expedition undertaken through the Undersea Voyager Project, a nonprofit ocean exploration association. And uh, head on over to the website and click on the show notes because there is a lot of other websites mentioned. So you could spend a whole day following all the websites that link off of this article. Uh, but what they're really trying to do is just show the change and the impact. Um, that has happened in the ocean since uh, he's been diving. Kind of reminds me of uh, Jacques Cousteau as, as, to what, as to how he was talking. Yeah, with, with Cousteau, though, he had a lot of pristine diving areas that when they went back 30 years afterwards, you could see a significant difference in the area. When, when I'm talking about, you know, showing before and afters. Oh, yeah. And this next article is some of the weirdest places to dive. This is uh, from one of the CNN websites, and uh, they've put together a collection. And uh, some of my, I would, I would dive almost any of these. Um, we, we won't cover them all, but one, you know, they show Iceland. You know, Iceland. Uh, the, if you've been looking on YouTube and see some of the diving they're doing there, the water is just amazingly clear. Uh, they have uh, ruins in Japan, as they're saying, long lost civilization. Uh, and I know what they're talking about. That's the I've seen the show on that where the they have these stone-looking steps where they're saying looks like uh, some people are saying they're just naturally occurring, and others say they could be caused by aliens. Well, I'm looking at the picture of the mysterious ruins, and I don't think that's a natural formation there, buddy. That's interesting. Yeah. I like the, that volcanic action in Indonesia. That would be interesting. Yeah. As long as I didn't have a little event blow up in front of me. Yeah, yeah, and then and then the other one is they have the underwater art in Mexico, which yeah. I I thought that there should be we should do something like that around here too. I would love to have some sort of art to dive through. Uh, those are stone statues, and then there's the cemetery where uh, heard about you know, that one before though. Yeah, if you want to be uh, you, what they do is they cremate you and they mix your cremation in with the concrete and you become part of a uh, 
a new reef. Yeah. So some interesting places to dive. Uh, and then here's another article, and this one is scuba divers are looking for cracks uh, the, the, for water loss. And this is in Twin Falls, Idaho. Uh, they're checking for cracks at the city council meeting. Uh, they have been investigating the upper and lower Blue Lakes Pond. Divers put in dye and monitor it for 48 hours. They also ran all the tests through computer models to see how big these cracks responsible for water loss could be. The divers say they discovered quite a few new cracks. I think the biggest surprise we had was that the test was finding the fish were previously at the teat, which was done, was never discovered since 71. We did a very thorough one this time, and the crack is about 55 feet long. So I had significant find that helped further the project along. Up next to the project, a few more tests in the lake, followed by approval of some sort of plan to fix the problem. I can't imagine it was too hard to find a crack that's 55 feet long, though. No, well, and then uh, just the the volume of water that's moving for for anybody to really care that's got to be a pretty significant crack i'm just curious the size of the pipe yeah so you, so you think this isn't a pipe is that what i missed on this well, that's what it sounds like what what would what would rupture if it wasn't a pipe i don't know so i was just curious is that fresh water is that return water is that sewage water oh okay i was i well they, they said responsible for water loss so i was thinking that the lake was was going down <laughs> or the reservoir yeah the reservoir was just it was just like somebody pulled the plug in the bathtub and it was all going away well the only time i think they'd be concerned is if uh they had more water going out metered and they weren't getting their their pay for it and they said there's a difference between how much we're going to charge and how much we're getting must be a leak someplace yeah well, be, well, be money involved then yeah, well exactly <laughs> you, you know that would get them concerned now when they find it who they're going to bill you know they got to bill that for somebody I don't know, 55-foot leak in a pipe or whatever it's like. That's pretty significant. And this ne uh, next up, we have uh, some potentially cool scuba gear. Scuba divers are using Sony readers at depths of 300 feet. And what reminded me of this, Mac, I had been working on a project earlier in the summer on something very similar, and I couldn't find anything. I was actually to the point where I was starting to engineer some hardware to, to do this. Uh, and here somebody's gone ahead and made it. It looks like Gates, the manufacturer of uh, underwater housings, you know, the very famous manufacturer, usually considered to be some of the top end, and that they're now creating a housing for the Sony Reader. The reason they picked the Sony Reader over the iPad uh, partially is based on size. The uh, Sony Reader within the case can fit in a pocket. And, uh, you know, I'm holding my iPad right now, and that's a little bit bigger than a sheet of paper. And by the time you got a case on that, that's not going to fit anywhere, anywhere real easily. So why are you going to be having your iPad with you at 300 feet working? Well, the reason why I bet that they're even making it a product is going to be for those deco stops. So you throw your book on that uh, device, and then you go ahead and you read. Uh, the reason why I wanted it in the iPad is you know how we talked about how do we have a device you know, without having a full face mask and a comm system, how do we recall a diver? Or how does a diver relay something back up to the surface? And that's why I was looking at ways of using the iPad, because I'm convinced that through an anchor line or a buoy, I could get a Wi-Fi signal down, and then we could set up two-way communication, uh, text messaging or some other form, you know, even just uh, uh, large block messages saying, get up, get down, you know, whatever. 
So for there's that a, purpose, it might be interesting, and I could see the aspect you could communicate, you know, using a keypad. But again, if you're actually working, the time to do that is I'd use Camo. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I think I think most commercial type of uh, endeavors you're going to use com, but uh, I think the re- the only reason why Gates is doing it is there's there's got to be some sort of market. They I don't think they typically do a quantity one type of housing. Yeah, it'd be interesting to do a prototype for that. Yeah, uh, in the chat room they're saying uh, use speaker and mic for ultrasonic comms. So, yeah, that, that, that's one of the, that's another one of those side projects I've got on my list. Uh, we'll coming up with something. Well, how how deep these two guys are? We're looking at their pictures. They're pretty well lit, so I'm going to say they're they're I, I, what maybe 100 feet. They uh, in in the photo and the uh, there's a YouTube video which I haven't watched, uh, but they're on rebreathers. Oh, yeah. I, I just see the forehead of the one guy on my left. I'd have such a headache if I were diving in cold water. Oh, with your head that exposed? Well, big time. That would hurt badly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that that looks like he had it slip off a little bit. I've done the same thing. Uh, sometimes where you get that neoprene just underneath the the mask, it will go ahead and start giving a little bit of problems. But that does it for the news. Uh, everybody head on over to Facebook. We have the Scuba Obsessed Facebook site. You go to facebook.com forward slash scuba obsessed. Uh, we've broken the 200 friends list over there. We're always looking for more. So if you haven't gone over there, go ahead and uh, like us or thumbs up or whatever you want to call it and uh, get in the conversation. We have Craig from Australia is going to be coming into the States and he's actually looking for divers in the San Francisco area late November. And so we have a discussion going on in there where he's talking about that. So head on over to Facebook if you got any recommendations of what to see. doesn't sound like he's got a lot of time, but he's going to get a little bit in. And, uh, you know, coming from the Great Barrier Reef, I, I think that <laughs> he's got great diving down there. Yeah, but Frisco is nice. I mean, I dove out there in the estuary working. And then Half Moon Bay is where they had a great white come in. The kilt beds out there, I mean, they're just amazing. Uh, that's that's worth it just to dive out there, just to go through the kelp beds. Yeah. yeah and I think uh, maybe that's San Diego, but we got the Scuba Diver Girls, uh, another uh, media on scuba related. And I think they're down in that part of the world. So uh, another place to go check out. And then we did get another five-star review. Thanks, everybody, for the five-star reviews. We had two last week. We have another one this week. Uh, he says, or she, don't know who, a uh, great way to learn about the sport. Uh, said, I just recently found this podcast, started listening from the beginning. I still have a long way to go to make it to the present podcast, but I am loving every minute of these guys. I'm not a diver yet, but my goal is to be Patty certified by the next summer. Thanks for keeping my session going. So thank you so much for the five-star reviews. You can do that. And also there's a place to review and talk shoot. Uh, you can also subscribe there. Uh, if you're picking up the podcast on iTunes, you can subscribe at that. And also for whatever media device you're using, let us know uh, if there's uh, a media store for those devices. There's so many of those stores popping up all the time. Amazon's going to be getting ready to have one probably in the next couple months. So let us know where you're at and we'll go ahead and get the podcast in there to make it as easy as possible for you to pick up the show. Thank you so much. And Mac, you got some diving in this last week. Yeah, yeah. We sure miss you guys up north because in 30 years, I think that's been the best collective sunny day and flat lake that we've seen in a long time. Oh, 
Jim and I just had something come up and we couldn't make it, but uh, it was killing me all weekend. So we actually did get out and dive as well. But so you, how many dives? When did you you got up there? What Tuesday of last week? Yeah, we left Tuesday. Uh, when we got up there, we then went ahead and uh, well, hang on, let me think. Nope, we left on Wednesday. Uh, Bob went up on Tuesday, so we went up on Wednesday. Got up there in the afternoon and did a cursory going back around some of the old dive sites mm-hmm. and taking pictures comparing it what it was last year and we didn't start diving till thursday we did uh, uh two wreck dives up there in uh, the straits on the huron side and the first dive we did was the cedarville and we went down on the stern first and then the next one we dove after that after some surface interval was the stalker uh-huh which is a wooden boat and then uh, the next day we did the cedarville again but we did the bow section and then after our obligatory surface interval, we went down and did the Barnum. Uh, a lot no, of times no. when they say the, the, the wrecks in the Lake Michigan or in the Great Lakes are pristine, that's true to a point. But what you're finding that when I dove the Barnum years and years ago, you still had decks that you could do penetrations on. She's basically collapsed, just like the Ironside is. So oh. pristine, I think we have to watch the word we use anymore because 30 years, they're falling apart. And the Barnum is a good example of it. Yeah. Now the Barnum is a, a wooden vessel. That's that that uh, steel hull. Well, okay. Uh, it's it's uh. Oh, let me remember here. I got go through my notes here. She actually sank in 1965. So when we were diving her in the 70s, she was uh, really really nice and uh, no zebras and no quagga mussels all over it. Um, Basically, she's in about 110 foot of water, and back when they wrote the book on it, they were talking about she's almost broke in two. Well, they got a buoy on the front or in the bow, one in the stern, and got a buoy now in the middle or more towards the bow where she's actually cracked in half. Uh, we took pictures, uh, and the reason I haven't posted those yet is I haven't seen them, but hopefully they showed up, and uh, you'll see what the zebra muscle, or in this case, the quaggas look like all over that baby. But you can actually swim through that crack now through the Cedarville. So that was actually quite interesting, a lot of fun. When you come down one of the lines, uh, you can actually be at 30 feet, maybe a little bit up from that. Uh, so you can actually hit that baby pretty shallow. Now, and then now the, push it all the, the way down to about 105. Now, the, the Cedarville, that, that was the metal hulled boat that you were talking about. Yeah, she's about 600 foot steel freighter yeah that's 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 a large steel freighter so you said the decking on that has uh collapsed not that one the decking that has collapsed is on the barnum the wooden boat okay and the only reason i mentioned that is i was reading an article the other day and they were talking about the pristine boats yeah. the wrecks that we have around here and it's like they never change well that's not a, a truism um they are deteriorating even as we speak and i think the uh quaggas and all of that has helped it because they're adding a lot of weight yeah yeah i agree i think between the weight uh, you know once you put some extra weight on it and then you have a little bit of surf action or storm action uh, yep. that just compounds it now now that one the that's the william barnum is that the one that went down in uh, right that was a wood steamer and and uh she sank in what 1894 yeah so she's been down there a little bit and she's in about 75 to 80 foot of water in lake huron yeah. Uh, you can tell the boilers exploded because they ain't there. Uh, uh, you can hit the deck probably at 50 feet. So if you don't want to do a lot of deco or anything like that, you can just saunter around the top and look and take pictures, which is what I did. And if you go, you, you actually can go all the way back down to the stern 
uh, the prop is still on her. She's a four blader. So it made for some good picture taking, I hope. Haven't seen the results of what we did yet. Excellent. So did you hit any other wrecks while you were up there? Well, we went to uh, Sheboygan itself, and we checked the old dive site by the lumber camp, which we've been diving for a bazillion years. Went over to Duncan Bay to check out the two rubble wrecks. Uh And we were trying to locate that tug that sank last year. And we couldn't get any good coordinates until after we were ready to leave. But there's two new boats out there run aground. One is a small car ferry, and the other one is a rather large uh, tug. And how they got where they're at, I don't know. But uh, they're they're in the dirt and, and rock really, really fast. I uh, went snorkeling around them, didn't take any pictures, but they both got probably three-inch, not cable, but uh, regular rope around the, the, the rudders and the propeller shafts just jammed on both the boats. And you'd have to go down. It's probably in a four-foot trough is where the one has gouged out. So she is hard, hard aground. But her prop was stopped when she went aground, so I don't know how she got that much head of steam to go in and make such a hole. Now, these these are wrecks just from this last year. Yeah, and I'm not even quite sure they're wrecks yet. They're, they're going to be after this ice comes through. I know that. There's an interesting story about how they got there and why they're there. And uh, the individual who owns them also owned the tug that sank last year. Uh-huh. So what the real deal is, I don't know. I do have pictures of the boats. Uh, I didn't post them here, but I'll show them to you guys. Yep. Uh, and they still had the uh, 2013, well, 2012, 11 and 12 stickers on them. So they were still seaworthy. So why he put them out there and ran them around, I have no clue. But this winter is not going to be very nice to him. I know that he was told to have them removed by November. Otherwise, he's going to jail. So it'll be interesting to see if we have three more wrecks there next year. Yeah. Hmm. That does sound a little interesting. Yep. And then we did go and hit the uh, the, the river, which is 20-plus visibility straight down. And uh, we did the underwater fishing with the fishing rods. And that is freaking awesome. You would never go hungry. Rick and I went down for that. And I haven't seen the videos yet, and I hope they turned out. But... It's it's amazing. You can be six feet from the fish, bring their lure in front of them, and they'll bite it. Really? Oh, it it's it's freaking awesome. It, oh. it was so funny. So that's why I'm hoping the video turned out. Oh, that'll be nice. I'd love to see that. So uh, something something great to get out there. So it sounds like you had a great week up there. Yes, I did. Water temp pretty similar to last year. Uh, I used my heavy wetsuit on the uh, on the deep rack, hundred feet. Um, Actually, I only got chilled on one wreck one day. Other than that, it was very comfortable in a wetsuit for, you know, 25-minute dive or so. Uh, so I was comfortable, and uh, Rick was diving on a wetsuit also. Bob was uh, dry. And, uh, yeah, we had no trouble with the temperature at, you know, whatsoever. It was it was absolutely gorgeous. Water temperature, great. Did you take a look at the pictures? I've seen just a few of the pictures, but I haven't really able to, to go any detail. Yeah, I just did the one of uh, Bob with the background with the bridge, and uh, the clarity of the water was outstanding. And you can see there was no ripple, except when the, the big hydroplane boats would go by, uh, hydrofoils or whatever they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could not have beat it. It was great. Yeah, We could have stayed there a couple more days and just dove every day, a couple of different wrecks, which Certainly. might not be a bad idea for next year. Yeah. And for those wanting to see the photos, uh, they're at mudclub.scubaobsessed.com. 
Yeah, and that is an amazing photo of uh, Bob there. I, I love it when you can get a, a nice background to have that Mackinac Bridge. Uh, that, that, is, uh, well, that is five miles that bridge is spanning. Yeah, you can see that from Sheboygan, let me tell you. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think Rick has seen that. He, uh, You can see the camera he's got on his head, but that mask camera combination. Uh-huh. That picture for Rick. He likes that. So I'm just, again, hoping those pictures took. He didn't take his uh, mini chip that would take the card and download it. Oh. So could validate what was going on. So we're either going to be very pleased or really pissed. <laughs> yeah, well, it was good that he was able to to get up there and dive. And next year, we're going to have to get a bunch of people there. Uh, I'm going to have to find out some way to make sure that there's nothing that keeps me from from going again. So, Well, it would have been nice having another boat, and then you can you know trade war stories, and it gives you a little more backup. Mm-hmm. But well, I mean, you, We didn't even have a, a current. We didn't even have to put a trailing line out. Oh wow! I, I, that's what I'm saying. It's outstanding. Yeah. Well, well, while you were doing that, uh, we went out in Lake Michigan and we did uh, a dive on one of the wrecks out there. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was warm all the way to the bottom. We had uh, a 60 degree temperature pretty much all the way down. It was 71 at the surface. That's Fahrenheit. Then it got down to uh, just at 60 at the bottom. And that's pretty much what the buoy was saying. Uh, visibility was probably 15, 20 feet, you know, not as good as we've had, but very respectable. What, what date did you go? That was Saturday. So, uh, okay. Cause the guys went on Sunday and I've got video from that already. And it was a lot better than what you just had. Yeah. Cause you couldn't, uh, see everything. So, uh, I mean, you could, it, it was, I mean, it was, at least, it was a good, it was a good solid 20 feet, but, uh-huh. uh, I wouldn't call it much better than that, but I was pleased when I, you know, saw the temperature, but it was a nice dive, uh, you know, no chill at all. Uh, we had, uh, let's see, that was, uh, David and myself. Oh, and Kirk, uh, we, we went and did that dive. So that was a nice one, nice one. And then, uh, Jim Kleeman and myself, we got, uh, two dives in on Sunday. We went and did the Niles, uh, up just upstream from the wastewater plant. And that was a, a nice dive. Uh, not as good as the Lake Michigan. We probably had, oh, I would say eight to ten feet viz. Yeah, that's about right. And the fish were just hanging hanging around us. It was nice. Um, found, found quite a few bottles. I, I'll get those posted up in the treasures. Excellent. Uh, Jim had some good bottles. And then uh, I had a crayfish uh, stowaway in, in one of the, the jars that I found. So uh, we've also got a photo of that. Now, you had that, as I recollect, we are sitting there on that wreck a couple of weeks ago. Uh-huh. And getting your gear out, and you had another crayfish in your gear. Yeah, I, I'm kind of going for that crayfish thing. I must, uh, I'm like the crayfish whisperer. Uh, they just, they just come and, and hunt for me. But he, he was a little ticked when I, when I looked in there. He was all uh, claws and jumping out at me. But uh, we had some nice, and uh, there, we were talking to some fishermen there, and they were real upset about that stump being gone. They, yeah, their like, conspiracy theory is that somebody came in and ripped it out because they're saying there's no way that got washed out with the spring floods. They think. Well, I haven't it seen it downstream, but then again, that can get pretty pretty violent out there. Well, you, you know that that water will come up all the way up to that road there. Oh yeah, it was past the stump last year. Yeah. So uh, and it wasn't really in the ground all that well. So yeah, I guess it's a matter of debate. But they were pretty upset. They used to use it to tie off to. Uh, but we, no, we had some, uh, it was, it was, it was nice. That was, that was very pleasant water, even the current 
You could have swam all day and not been cold. Great, great day for uh, somebody getting getting ready to start doing some river dives. Well, I'm glad to see a couple other guys got out there too. Uh, Sir Larry and Ken were out there, both at the uh, they did a drift dive there from the railroad tracks, or I never rephrase that, from the upper near the bridge down to the railroad tracks. They did a dive there. Uh, they also did some grubbing there in the uh, St. Joe River and Berrien Springs. Oh, excellent. And they also got on the wreck uh, out there in southwest Michigan, lower corner, and took some new video, which was very good. Excellent. So I'm now, glad to see the guys we, finally getting out there. We had some muddies out there getting wet for a change. Yeah, we just need to have them all at the same spot. That be, would be nice. But uh, we were spread out, so we had quite a commitment to diving this week. Absolutely. And then we've also got our mud club meeting coming up this Tuesday. Correct, and the newsletter is already posted on the uh, website. Yep, and uh, we we should have Rich Sinowicz planning on coming up for uh, this this uh, weekend. I mean, for, not for this weekend, for that uh, for our mug club meeting. So oh, potential, yeah, potential for uh, his podcast might be broadcast live uh, uh-huh. as he does. He's going to be bringing up a jar of uh, un, unsorted jar of river bottom from Cooper River that uh, during the meeting he's going to expose. So. You know, maybe he's got that giant uh, mastodon tooth, not mastodon, uh, megalodon tooth in there. No, the big one's still out there waiting for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> At least I hope so. Yeah. Well, my, my, my first dive in the river this weekend, uh, I did a rookie mistake and I had my catch bag with me. Four minutes in the dive, I had it full. <laughs> and then I found uh, a kitty litter bag on the bottom of the river. So I then promptly filled that. And, um, the worst thing about that is you have to take both those bags loaded uh, with you to bring them in. And that was quite a chore. Well, what I usually do there is swim sideways to shore, make sure I put them on something I can find so I don't have to haul them with me. Yeah. I've done that a a few times as well. Uh, one thing I did do, I need to call up Jim Schultz. Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll do that tonight or, but I can't find my dive belt, my weight belt. I got out in the wreck. Or I didn't get out in the wreck, but I got ready to load stuff up. And I'm like, darn, I don't have my dive belt. So I'm thinking, well, crap, I left it at home. So we we rigged one up, you know, threw some weights in my uh, BC pockets. And uh, Jim had an extra belt, so I threw some uh, weights on that. But uh, I, I got home and I can't find it. So somewhere along the way, I've lost a, a dive belt with some weight on it. If only I could lose my weight like that. but <laughs> Yeah, if we could lose body weight as easily as you can use a, lose a weight belt, we'd have something. I bet yeah. we'd have a nice weight loss program. So, uh, uh, you know, but the nice thing about that is I, is I was underweighted to do the uh, dive in the wreck, but I went down the, uh, the buoy line and talk about a free feeling. Getting on the bottom underweighted was amazing. So, well, you really want to be neutral when you're down at depth, anyway. Well, I I, I was I was uh, I was neutral, but you just don't uh, just don't have to put as much air in the bottom uh, air in your uh, BC when you get down to the bottom. So uh, it was it was nice, just nice trim line. And then coming up, I was to the if I I could hold position all the way till about ten feet, and then I was a little positive. And uh, luckily, I just held on to the line to do my safety stop, and then I could come up. So. Well, we've got to get more people in the river. Uh, it's a, Right now is a great opportunity to do a drift dive of whatever duration you want, just from bridge to bridge, or if you want to go from the kayak launch, you can actually, if you don't stop and play around, you can make it all the way down to the railroad bridge. Now, if you start 
grabbing and, and grubbing stuff, you're not going to make it all the way down to the railroad bridge. But it's <laughs> nice. I can hear you punching the keys. What yeah, like? yeah. I'm just uh, chatting chat with those in the in the uh, chat room. Yeah. And well, Dave pointed so, out. He uh, says that that's why you collect bottles that gives you extra weight for the end of the dive. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did a couple of experiments when I was out there. I think it was uh, U of M had some kind of program. They were talking about they want to get rid of the lead weights that the fishermen use because it's polluting the rivers and stuff. Uh, I thought that was a bunch of hooey, meaning duh, sinkers. Well, I took a little item out there, one one foot square. Mm-hmm. We're, we're talking here off from Vermont. Yep. Put it down, and then I searched that one foot square. And you know, I didn't find any area that I couldn't go and find lead in a one foot square area. Huh. Uh, yeah, there is a lot of lead in that river. Uh, well, I know that when I go and uh, pull up uh, lures and and fishing line, that's in the bottom of that river. Any trash that's been thrown down there is still there. And I pull up a lot of lead. I pulled up probably half pound of lead. But the one thing to remember is when we dive at Bon Air, what was that before we were diving in it? That was a lead mine. And they test that water there, and there's no dissolvable lead in that water. So if you can dive in a lead mine with water and not have lead suspended in the water, what makes us think that this lead that is on sinkers is turning into that is being that is soluble and going in the water it's not soluble going in the water now i think the issue was i thought some of the fish were actually eating or digesting the smaller lead weights and that was permeating or getting through their system and actually putting lead in the in the fish itself but that i'm not quite sure of well that is possible because that's the reason why we went away from lead shot for duck hunting yeah, but you're not going to find a three-ounce lead shot in a, in a fish. I, I don't care how hungry he is. No, no, but that's uh, but that's the only thing is that if it, if it does digest it and metabolize the lead, then you have that. But the risk is really to people consuming, you know, because uh, I, I believe that lead like that is really going to come out. We put so much lead in the environment with leaded gas, that's a, a thousand times worse than what you're seeing with lead weights and fishing. Yep. So, but that's a discussion for other people to take on. <laughs> but, I will uh, have to ask one item, though. Did you that? like that sword? Oh, that sword was absolutely amazing. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. When I uh, Now, was that, what would you say the age of that sword? Is that a, like a fairly modern? It, I, I went ahead and cleaned it up, and I did a little research on it. Um, it is a modern, it's a, rep, it's a reproduction. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's like a real one other than it's a reproduction. So I, I would not have spent the money and then thrown it into the river. Uh, but the blade uh, is stainless steel. It cleaned up really, really good. Uh, the hilt and stuff, I just wish the jewels on the backside were all there. They're not, the handle got a little more damaged, I think, down there. Mm-hmm. But uh, she cleaned up good. It's yeah. uh, more of a Viking sword. I kept telling people I pulled it out of the boulder down there, but I had to go back <laughs> to find the shield. But uh, and I did go back looking for more stuff. I did find a dagger. That that was you found a dagger too. Yeah, I found that uh, yesterday. Oh, nice. I know. <laughs> so I went back again today. <laughs> oh. So did you find anything today? Well, I posted some pictures of that already too. Okay, so if you ever want to see the the pictures that Max talking about, they're usually in the Mud Club Treasure area. So that's yeah. always a good spot to find. So you can see his sword. I actually brought back some bricks. 
hours. Yeah, well, the sword is nice. That, that's one thing I'm really, uh, not everybody can say they found a freaking sword. No. But no. you will notice today, though, uh, there are some interesting, and I, I think I may have mentioned to you guys about the bricks on the bottom out there. Yeah, we uh, we found that, uh, it wasn't last year, but the year before when we dove the bridge by the hospital, there are some bricks. And I've got a couple sitting on my deck. Uh, yeah, nice embossed I, bricks. Yes, and that's what I did. I brought up some. And uh, if, if they look at the picture and then expand it, you can actually see the writing and the type of material. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are unique. And if you need bricks around the house or something, that's a you know cheap source of bricks. Plus, it's unique. It's got some kind of history behind it. Yeah, yeah. That Metropolitan. That that's the the brick that that I had. Plus, oh my gosh, look at those milk bottles. Yeah, it's just terrible out there. Oh goodness. <laughs> no, no, now yeah. you're just rubbing it in. And then uh, uh, I did. I see you found some Coke bottles. I found some as well. Uh, and Pepsi bottles. We had a rash of Pepsi bottles. We found three or four of them. Yeah, you see that little, uh, the, the, um, the itty bitty quirker, the medicine bottle, mm-hmm. California. Really? I can't believe, yeah, we found some California bottles last week too. Huh. And I, I did find back where you guys are. Did you notice how many holes are out there where you've been uh, playing around there in Merrimont? Yes. You notice a bunch of holes and loose things? Mm-hmm. I was playing up there closer to the shore and like in four or five foot of water up near the embankment. Uh, that's where I found the clay pipe and the Hutchins, Hutchie bottles. Oh. And that really surprised me. I mean, pleasantly, of course. Well, that's telling you that the uh, that, that riverbank built up over time. Oh, yes. And, and that's now it's starting I mean. to erode back down. Well, I, it didn't erode back down. I'm in there digging like a fiend. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that, that's got to be some fertile stuff up there. Yeah, I, I found a cobalt, brilliant cobalt blue bottle, and then the neck was broke off. Oh. And I was just, I just love those when you get those rich colors. I do too. Yeah, we had that. I did find a medicine bottle, but nothing, just a typical uh, pharmacy bottle with just had the marks up the side. Um, let's see what else did we we find in there. Well, I am looking forward to you posting some pictures of that stuff. Yeah, I, I've got the photos, so I'll try and get those. I don't know if we'll get them up tonight, but uh, we'll get them up sometime this weekend. Uh, did you see the TV? Uh, there's a TV. There's a tape deck. There's a few things down there. Now, you know that object that we've been calling the uh, truck box? Yeah, that's not. No, it's not. Uh, it also seems not as deep this year. I, th- I Actually, I think it almost seems like it's a different box to me. It, you know, it does. Because yeah, before it, it seemed like it was a, I swear it had diamond plate on it and a hinge top. And this one doesn't. But uh, Jim and I are convinced that we know what that box is. And? I I believe it's an old uh, Model T. The box? That that rounded box that we got all those bottles in. Okay. That's the I seat of a car. Okay, because we got the doors off the Model T, but that was maybe 40, 50 feet down, downstream from that. Yep. Now that you say that, that means we got to dig that out. Exactly. We certainly do. And it makes me wonder, is there a motor with that? Okay. If you go back and find a big hole, you'll know I was there. Yeah, because then that what that's telling me is if because you're down from the boat ramp, so and I think that boat ramp's been there forever. Somebody yeah. pushed a car in to see it float, you know, kids doing a joyride, whatever. It drifts down, gets caught in the bottom, and then for the last 50 years, that has been collecting bottles. We we well, have the chat room. They're all talking now. They're all ready to do some river diving. Well, I'm ready to go out there and start digging that. that <laughs> now that you said that, I really never thought about it. But you can actually see it from the embankment now, too. Yeah. 
Well, and there's like some tricycles. Like we keep finding tricycle parts. Yeah. Well, and that's kind of what I was doing in the beginning. What I want to actually do is do it almost as an ecology dive. I need to get my kids down there and figure out some way I can, uh, you know, pass stuff up to them because they'd have a blast collecting the the spares. That's not a bad idea. Because no. then you could just pass everything up and then they could go and sort because there's enough. I mean, people don't realize there's you can go and do a river dive and there is nothing and you get skunked. And this is a spot where with proper training and preparation, this is a nice spot. You will not go away empty handed. I mean, right. it just depends how picky you're going to be. All right. Now, you, you dove the Broadway Bridge with me uh, last year, remember? Yep. Okay. That bridge there, now I've identified five different bicycles that were stolen and tossed off. the. Uh, they've got to be because mm-hmm. still intact and they had air in the tire. I uh, found one that's got the, the back for the kid in the back of it. You know how they have the encompassed little housing? Yeah. That's out there. So there's five bicycles. If you had somebody on the bridge that you could just tie the rope to and they could pull it up, you could really make a, you know, make some headway cleaning some of that crap out there. But there is two huge, and I, they're not barrels. They're, they look like fuel oil drums that are every bit of eight feet tall. And really? since water level there, you're in a hole, is only like 14. I can't figure out where they came from. And there's two of them. Huh. The only thing I can think of is they were upstream and they actually had air in them. They floated down, hit something, got a hole, and sank. Yeah. Well, because there is one uh, barrel down by where we've been diving that looks like an old hot water tank. Yeah. And that, and I know I say old hot water tank, that's old. I mean, it's very heavy. I mean, not like anything modern. Well, if you go to Maramont and you go upstream mm-hmm. before you get to the first dock, you're going to find some old washer and dryers. Yeah. Well, you know what? That We need to figure out what scrap metal is. Maybe we just go need, need to bring a, a flatbed trailer and we just load all this garbage out of the river, do a, a dive and then sell it for scrap. So Lifting you, it out is going to be the problem because there's a lot of, I mean, under the bridge there, you've got mufflers, you've got brake parts, you've got axles, uh, lots of say, lots of bicycles, shopping carts. Uh, you've got the, the biggest snag hazard you have out there actually, though, is trees. There's some really nasty ones. And if you got a line with you, which you were going to for your flag, yep. you really got to be careful not to get snagged. And it's a real pain in the butt to take the inner tube with your bucket in it. Mm-hmm. Because you have so much drag from the current, it's constantly wanting to yank you backwards. So by using your float, that's the best way to do it. Yep. Take your yep. goodie bag, put your lift bag on it, find you an anchor, hook the lift bag to the anchor, inflate it just enough to hop it around that still gives you drag, and fill your, your bag up that way. That's what I've been doing. Yeah. Well, another thing that we can do, we talked about bringing the kids out and having them be shore support. How about a boat floating in the river by us? You, you would almost do that, except it ain't going to be floating. Uh, if you're serious, <laughs> what you do is take a line and tether it off one of the trees and then clean the area around it. Yeah. But it's, I mean, this right now is the time to get out there. Oh, there are no in. leaves in the bottom. Oh, right now, but it's starting to, uh, accumulate already. Oh, did you see some leaves today? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess if looking at trees in my yard, the poplars are starting to go and the oaks are starting to go. Yeah. So we're getting to that time of the year. So well, I figure we got one more good month before that really turns cold, cold. Because right now you can still use regular rub, gloving, you know, ah, grubbing gloves. Mm-hmm. So you've got manual dexterity. Just make sure you're tightening the shots up to date. Yeah. And uh, I, uh, I'm going to try to get as much as I can before the the water turns hard. Yeah. Well, I'm running into problems in that I'm wearing out my gloves. 
my my wetsuit has a tear in the neck and the gloves are completely falling apart. So, uh, well, I took a, a box, a tube of that maritime goop that I got there at that farm and fleet. Uh huh. That is really, really good stuff. One, when you open it and you close it and you come back four months later, it's still good. Unlike some other items I won't mention, if you know what I'm talking about. Yep. Yep. But uh, matter of fact, we made some repairs. Sewed up a couple of cuts or tears in his wetsuit with uh, dental floss, which makes a real good thread. Put that marine goop on it. It's just like new, and it's flexible. And we've been dabbing our fingertips. Anytime we get a pinhole, we put that on there because it's really thin. Mm-hmm. And you can make your gloves last a long time. So marine time, maritime goop, get some of that stuff. That's good stuff. I'll have to take a look at that. Oh, but, uh, yeah, one, one of these weeks we're going to need to do a show where we talk, maybe we'll do it next week or the week after we'll talk about river dives, you know, uh, some of the considerations planning and stuff for, you know, what goes into a good river dive, but we're, we're approached, we've gone way over an hour. Nope. Uh, so we're, we've, we've got a good solid episode in the can so far. Um, also, I uh, wanted to mention that, uh, go ahead and head over to the scuba obsessed site and pick up some swag. Uh, Dave in the chat room uh, posted a picture on Facebook, and you could see Compressor with his scuba obsessed mug sitting on top. So glad to see people are uh, getting some use out of it. So uh, I, I actually need to pick up a couple myself. Uh, one, one of the comments was they've, they've had people wondering if there's actually anybody set up a six tank uh, setup. So not that I'm aware of. I've seen people with six tanks, but not all in a common manifold. Not to say that it won't eventually happen. <laughs> well, I, I've seen that with a fill bank. Oh, cascade, yeah. Uh, yeah, cascade. And if you want to do that and, and just put my hookah hose to it, I could probably stay down there a long time. Oh, yeah. Well, Jim and I, uh, well, that's another advantage. People are doing, people who always think they got to dive deep. You do a river dive and you get some good grubbing at six, seven feet. Jim and I started, we went in the water about 1 p.m. We left at 6 p.m. with One tank? Two tanks. Okay, I, I, that I can believe. Well, like if I do three tanks, my wife makes sure it says you have to be out of the house and there by 10 o'clock because three tanks, it'll be six when I get home. Yeah. No, I, I've been averaging minimum hour to an hour and a half per tank. Yeah, exactly. Shallow. And the water was so warm, you did not get cold. Seven millimeter wetsuit. Uh, and mine is starting to get kind of like how yours is. Uh, it's I've got to get I got to get a dry suit or, or a new wetsuit. So I'm going for the dry suit. Yeah. Well, talking about that, I think Larry and them and Ken went to uh, Dive Right. Uh-huh. I think that must be in Chicago. They looked at those that new uh, latex seal. Oh, the uh, silicone seal for around the necks? Oh, they said that is wonderful stuff. Yeah, uh, Kirk, he's put one of those uh, silicone seals on his uh, dry suit, and he's actually kind of liking it. Well, they were talking about it's like easy to put on, so you're not going to jam your neck like I did. Yeah. And then once it's there, it's not strangling you. Mm-hmm. Well, and then the thing is, since they can't glue to silicone, yeah. what they've got kind of a spline type of arrangement. It's a neck ring. Yeah, neck, so you got a neck ring with a spline in it. So when you eventually tear it, all you do is put a new neck ring in, and you're good to go. Yep. Uh, yeah, the chat room's asking about the feel of the neck ring. It is nice. I, I haven't worn one, but Kirk's got one, and he, he likes it, and it feels really good. Silicone just feels nice. Uh Every everybody who's got a dry suit right now has got some leak somewhere they're fighting. Kirk's got one in his feet. Uh, Jim Kleeman he picked up a dry suit a few weeks ago, uh, and uh, he's got a link uh, a leak in one of his wrist seals. So, yeah. Oh, and since, since I got you real quick, I'm going to ask you: Are you ready to dive Saturday? 
or can you? Uh, it sounds like uh, Kurt and Bob are heading up to Holland. So you're going to go up that way? Yeah, I, I may. Uh, I'm okay. trying to get a hold of Jim to see what he wants to do. And then I've got something later in the day. So as long as they don't go crazy and do, you know, that, that's a problem with some of those wreck dives. If we got to Holland, we got the tugboat that yep. we're talking about doing. Uh, mm-hmm. The downside of that is that just takes so much time. Yeah, we were planning on leaving the uh, dock at nine o'clock because I want to be home early in the in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. And uh, if nothing else, we could do a, a look see or maybe a little bit of fanning or probing or something. Oh, okay. But if the weather was bad, we were going to go to Indian Lake and uh, look at a couple of those boats up that we found last time. Mm-hmm. So if you if you're interested, let Jim know. I told him I'd mention that to you. Okay. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll certainly. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to get some dives in. We got quite a few opportunities this week uh they're talking about doing the fireboat okay which is up there around holland about 70 feet of water uh one one wreck i haven't done yet but uh you know that's a bad thing about traveling is it just seems to take up so much of the day yeah Uh, well that's i'd rather that's why i get into the river i can it takes me 26 minutes to go from my house to the marimont site add about three minutes if i want to go more up river Mm-hmm. You know, 25 minutes to 30 to get all my stuff set up and go. And then I got an hour and a half in the water. Yeah. I can be home. You know, now, when you, hours, when you've been, dive. go ahead. I said three hours. I got an hour and a half diving. Now, when you've been doing the uh, diving up there by the, by the uh, bridge, uh, you've been doing a drift dive? Uh, no, the last three dives at the bridge have been playing and licking and scrounging. Okay. I've so been, you haven't been. Done a drift dive all the way up from French Dam, all the way down to Merrimont. Okay. I have covered that whole area. Now I'm going back to the areas that are fun, meaning stuff. Cool. Excellent. I'll I'll, I'll probably hit the uh, Main Street Bridge next because there's something else interesting out there that needs to be looked at. Hmm. Okay. But now we got you interested with that car. That might slow you down a little bit. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I reckon I'll have to do three tanks a day, I suppose. (laughs) With two in reserve. Yeah. I know I'm running the same thing. I need more tanks. Well, I've been out there so much now. The fishermen expect to see me out there. <laughs> are, are you pointing out where the good ones are? Well, actually, now that I know what a small mouth thing looks like, a bass looks like, I can say, well, I know what these are. And they're all around me. Yeah. I've been tempted to take my fishing gear with me so I can catch a couple. So when they ask me how the fishing is, I can pull up my, my stringer and say, here. Yeah, that's how you easily go from friend to enemy with fishermen. They don't like anybody catching anything more than they are <laughs> there's a lot of fish i actually found my first turtle out there yesterday oh don't tell david that i i know i, I went through that he's afraid of turtles but it was a small one you know maybe well, i i was telling him that there are because i've seen very few turtles i mean maybe one in 20 dives do i see a turtle you're not going to see those alligator snappers they're, they're just not going to get in your way they're going to get out of your way I, I think he's just afraid of any of them, but we got to get him in there. He's he's really come a long way this year and in getting into stuff where he wasn't as uh, adventurous before. So out in the middle of that river, you got the gravel bed. Ain't got no turtles out there. It's no, great. No, no. And you're gonna find the jugs in the middle, which really amazes me. Oh, really? You're finding jugs out there? I you haven't checked the site lately, have you? <laughs> I'm looking at it now. <laughs> now you. Oh, okay. <laughs> we, we better get off this so I can we can get some more dives in. Yeah. Well, I got the jug from the bridge the other day. Um, I'm not posting everything anymore because everybody says everything there is mine, so I'm stopping that crap. You guys need to start posting some crap. 
Yeah, I've, I've, I've got a photo. We'll get that up here this weekend. But so, yeah, but you just, everybody's claiming your collection. <laughs> okay. Well, I think we about did it for another week. We'll have to do an episode just on uh, River Diving here coming up and give people some suggestions on how they get started, you know, where they go to get some training, how they pick a site. Come down uh, here. We'll help them out. Type of gear. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, only, uh, we just get the first uh, choice of anything you find. <laughs> I mean, we had Mary Beth as a novice and she filled up her goodie bag in one oh, yeah. night. Yep. Yep. Uh, and then uh, how, how, it says, how many golf balls does he make own? So uh, they're asking how you're doing a golf balls. I did find a golf ball on Sunday. One of the dives, we got a golf ball. So that made I, it official. I bring at least one back each time. But I'll tell you, I could have filled up one of my goodie bags today alone under that freaking bridge. With golf balls or bo- just yes, bodies? golf balls. I cannot believe where they're coming from. I don't have a clue. Oh, and Niles, um, I don't know. Are people going on the? Because there's an island up from the bridge. I wonder if there's somebody out there with a bucket of balls knocking them in. I don't know, but you guys need to get back with me because I found another spot. <laughs> oh. Okay. We got to go digging there, bud. Oh. Ten feet and less. So I need to retire. We got to figure out some way that this is uh, come self-funding. Uh, okay, well, we're, we can we can go on and on, but uh, we're, we'll go ahead and draw this one to an end. Uh, you you ready for the joke? Oh, absolutely. And we'll tell everybody at the end who we can blame for this one. <laughs> a scuba diver was dining alone in a fancy restaurant, and there was a gorgeous redhead sitting at the next table. He'd been checking her out since he sat down, but lacked the nerve to go over and talk to her. Suddenly, she sneezed and her glass eye came flying out of its socket towards the man. He reflectively reached out, grabbed it out of the air, and handed it back. I'm so sorry, she said, as she popped the eye back into place. Let me buy you dinner and make it up to you. They enjoyed a wonderful dinner together, and afterwards they went to the theater, followed by drinks. They talked, they laughed. She shared her deepest dreams. He shared his. She listened to him with interest. After paying for everything, she asked him if he'd like to come to her place for nightcap and stay for breakfast. They had a wonderful, wonderful time. The next morning, she cooked a gourmet meal with all the trimmings. The guy was amazed. Everything had been so incredible. You know, he said, you are the perfect woman. Are you this nice to every guy you meet? No, she replied. You just happen to catch my eye. That is great. That's one of the best ones you've ever had. <laughs> and you can blame Mac. For that one. <laughs> that was a good one. I like that. So until next time, go out there and get wet. And stay safe. Recording has been completed.